Welcome to the Jannie and Angie Show with January Donovan and Angela Schneiders. We have a dream to rebuild our church and restore the tender love of Christ to every human heart. We believe in women's irreplaceable role in rebuilding our church, our culture, and our domestic church. As St. Catherine of Siena reminds us, be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. It is time to rise and reclaim souls for Christ. We must deepen our formation as women and prepare ourselves to lead the new evangelization. Our vision in the Women's School is to build our church one woman's formation at a time, and only then will we set the world on fire for Christ. Welcome to the Women's School podcast. My name is Shania Rajanovan, founder of the Women's School, where our bold vision is to rebuild culture one woman's worth at a time, beginning with our own from the inside out. So today I'm going to talk about fear and how it has taken over women's lives. And often it is masked with so many different emotions that it's hard for us to recognize that what it's costing us. So in this quick episode, quick January Donovan style, I want to talk about understanding where fear comes from and how we can manage fear. Now, as you know, in the woman's school, we really take apart our mindset, understand it from a neurological perspective, and then we build it so we can understand who we are as women and then begin the journey into a life of wholeness. I'm going to take a little bit part of what we do in the woman's school and just break it down here. But if you want to learn more, um, you can go to our website in January, JanuaryDonovan.com or thewomanschool.org to learn more about really what the women's school is about and how we are here to provide mindset and skill set training based on the integrated woman and that our vision is to replace the depletion crisis of women and train, and the word is train women, into a life of wholeness so that we now will have the capacity for generosity in every arena of our life. And so you can begin by taking our wholeness quiz and identify which part of your life right now needs some recalibration. And it's important to also recognize that it, every part of who we are does matter because if certain areas of our life is depleted, then we overcompensate and then eventually in other parts of our arenas, <clears throat> and eventually it starts to impact every part of who we are. If we are stressed in our work life or our careers or our you know motherhood, eventually bleed into our intimate relationship or our environment or our self-image, we start to doubt who we are or our health, which is, you know, our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. So it's important to look at us as an integrated human woman being. Okay. So today I'm going to take a sliver of our trainings and just talk a little bit about fear because it's one of those things that we assume is a natural thing that we all experience and there is nothing we can do about it which is not accurate, okay? So fear, first of all, is a natural human experience. It's actually a very primitive reaction to how we respond to things that are 
dangerous, right? It's a very powerful human experience and it's there to keep us safe from danger and harm. If, you know, a car was zipping in front of us and we have no fear, we would just run into it. If there was a tiger in front of us and we didn't experience fear, we might get eaten by tigers. So it's there to actually preserve us and to protect us. And so we experience that fear in our amygdala, you know, that part of our brain that God designed. And there are, you know, um, there are real biochemical experiences of fear, which means that, you know, we experience it a little bit differently. Some people start to sweat or they tingle or they tense up or kind of their, their, their uh, mouth, I think their, their um, saliva uh, gets watery. Everyone's a bit different. There's an actual physical biochemical reaction to fear. Our heart starts to palpitate. That's probably the most common one. And also a psychological response to fear. So that it it really impacts the integrated human woman being okay so most of the time where does our fear come from okay our fears come from our thoughts the things that we allow ourselves to think about now there are instances obviously when you know you're walking and all of a sudden you see a bear and i i live in a small town where there are bears that walk around. And so if a bear comes running with me and my children, I'm not going to necessarily ruminate thoughts, uh, you know, of, of all the ways that the bear can eat me. My body automatically senses the danger biochemically and it moves me into action. It helps me to respond, either run, actually you're not supposed to run if there's a bear because I'll run after you. Or, you know, you try to find a way to basically self-preserve and protect or, or, you know, move a different direction. So literally it's biochemical of somebody, you know, scares me or somebody, um, uh, you know, <laughs> takes my purse away or steals something. All of a sudden I'm experiencing that fear and I'm not even thinking about it. But most of the time, the fears that we actually experience are things that actually we are ruminating in thoughts that we're allowing to permeate our mind, okay? So if I'm thinking about my job, I could lose my job, I could start to get anxious. If I'm thinking of all the many ways that my son can be hurt or all the worries of what if, you know, my child crosses the street. What if something happens to him in school? What if he gets, you know, a disease? What if he gets all these different things? I start to think about it. And the thought alone that I'm ruminating is actually causing my feeling of fear. Our feelings come from our thoughts. When I'm thinking of all the things I'm worried about, I start to feel anxious. If I'm thinking of all the great things and I'm just looking at the sunset and I'm experiencing this beauty, I start to feel um, grateful or joyful or peaceful. So the things that I actually allow myself to feel has everything to do with what I allow myself to think about. And they are hyper-connected. And perhaps 30 years ago, maybe a little bit longer, we didn't understand this concept of the integration between our thoughts and our feelings. We actually thought that they were separate. Now we know through neuroscience and so much research that they, they are hyper-connected. And you can actually experience that pretty simply. 
You know, if you're overthinking somebody's betrayal of you, you start to feel angry. If you are thinking that your boyfriend, your husband is going to leave you, you start to feel sad. And then there's sort of an overwhelming emotion. So the connection between your thoughts and your feelings should be something we need to understand to help us actually manage our fears. Because every single time, you know, women say, Junior, I'm feeling this and I'm feeling this, and they go on about their feeling. We often don't naturally ask, but where, what have you been thinking that's causing your feeling? Okay. So as a first very clear action um, step, as a woman, every single time we're thinking of all the things we're feeling, unless obviously a bear jumps in front of us and it's a real biological, you know, um, human reaction to self-protect because there's something external that's stimulating it. Most of the time, it's, it's the thoughts we're thinking. When that happens, we should have a knee-jerk reaction of what have I been thinking that's causing me to feel this way? Because then we can go to the source of our feeling by sourcing our thoughts. Because in order to manage our, our feelings, our, our emotion, we need to manage our mind. And this is why it's important to understand the connection because now we can find a solution by rescripting, by protecting our mindset, by developing understanding of how we can introduce new concepts so that we're not, you know, always flagging or reacting to the things that we're afraid of, right? So that's an important number one thing to understand that what we're feeling comes from what we're thinking. And if you understand that, you can automatically build a habit of saying, okay, I'm feeling this way. What have I allowed myself to think about? What did I watch last night? What social media reactions did I have? How, you know, how is this feeling connected to, you know, my sleepless night last night of me thinking about all the things I'm worried about with school, with mom, with jobs, with virus and everything. Okay. So now we go to the next thing that we have to understand because when we understand it, it's from our mindset, then we can say now, is what I'm thinking about a logical fear or perhaps a made up illogical fear? Okay, because what typically happens is that we ruminate, and if there was such a term, over-ruminate, things that perpetuate emotion that actually cost us our peace of mind. Okay, so now you go back and say, okay, I'm worried that my son is going to get hit by a car every single time he crosses the street. And that's a legitimate thing that parents think about and they get fearful every single time their, you know, their child goes or the child goes out the door. Or I am going to work as a single woman and I'm worried that my boss is going to fire me. Okay. So instead of me showing up and at peace and calm and able to perform, I am fearful all over the place. And I can't even perform the best I can because when you're in that state of fear, right, your amygdala is hijacked because if you look at it under a microscope, it is a similar biological, physical reaction as though a lion was chasing you. So when a lion is chasing you, right, it's not the time to say, let me ponder what creation I could make. I wonder how I could go above and beyond. I wonder how I could have deep 
connection with my boyfriend, spouse, you know, friend. I wonder what dreams I have. No, it's time to run. And so when we're under a made up fear, and, and when I say made up, it's because we haven't processed um, really what those fears are. We, ha- we don't know how. We could perpetually have a life of fear and it then robs us of other things that we could and ought to be doing to live a life of meaning and fulfillment because we're just running. We're just surviving, right? Because that's what fear is. It actually helps us to survive. It's a primitive, um, natural human experience when we were, you know, in our earlier years when we needed to hunt and when we need to self-protect from lions and tigers and all to self-preserve. Now in this time and age, fear looks a lot different. It could look like a mother-in-law. It could look like a job loss. It could look like, but it's no longer this life-threatening physical Um, um, danger as it used to be. We can reshape the way we actually think about our job, our family, our, you know, our finance. So it no longer cripples us and makes us feel like we're living in this danger if we knew how to manage our mind. So this is an important skill set in our current, um, in our current world and how our world has shifted. Okay, so the, the thing that I want you to understand is that we don't have to live in fear, although we can acknowledge fear and say, yes, I am fearful of public speaking. Yes, I am fearful of quitting my job, even though it's a toxic environment, because I'm afraid I'm not going to get a job. You know, I am fearful of breaking up with my boyfriend because. I'm afraid of being alone and I don't know if I'll ever find another one. So we ruminate all these things that we worry about. So it allows us to be afraid of what? Greater opportunities. So, you know, if if you really think about what fear costs us, it costs us opportunities. It costs us a beautiful life. It costs us our dreams. It costs us risking for the sake of something better, because it might mean that, you know what, I'm not going to tolerate this job with a toxic boss. And there's actually a job lurking out there. That's my dream job, but I won't dare greatly. Cause what if I don't get it? And so now I'm stuck without a job. It puts us into that mode of not willing to go into the discomfort or trying or going into the unknown because of what might happen. What that cost us is that the only way we can dare outside to live our dreams, to create a beautiful life of meaning connection, to do something outside the ordinary and norm, to do something that we are called to do, we actually have to rise above our fears. We can recognize our fears and manage it and then dare greatly anyway. Because if we learn how to manage it and we can logically diffuse it as not something that's life-threatening, then we can say, okay, it's not gonna kill me. I can find another job. Or if I lose my job and, you know, then I'll find my dream job a little later, not so soon. So now 
in, when we manage it, we are not stuck because the, what it costs us is that we're in the same place day in and day out. We don't dare outside of our comfort zone because we're so afraid of the unknown. And so we're stuck in the same person, but that is collateral damage because being stuck as the same person means we're kind of living a life of quiet desperation. There's nothing novel. There's no divine adventure. There's nothing new and exciting. And we wonder why we're not excited about life. Well, there isn't, you know, in order to actually, you know, I, I think of a stairs, right? You think of a climbing Mount Everest in order for us to actually see the beautiful view of a mountain, we have to first climb it. And that requires us to be afraid of the unknown of the climb of all the different things that come with it. So fear is essential to give birth to the next season of greatness in our life. You know, fear is essential for us to risk a new job, a new relationship, a new something. So to live, avoiding fear is to not live at all. So as a woman, when we look at our integrated wholeness and in our self-image, in our health, in our friendship, and our intimacy, our wealth, our environment, there is an element of us walking into the unknown, which could lead to a lot of fearfulness. But if we had the skill of managing fear, then we can constantly improve and elevate every part of our life. On the contrary, we start to shrink and we think this is as good as it gets. And guess what that does? it helps us actually to look around and look and look at how everyone else is living and we start to get resentful. We start to compete and compare. We start to complain how life is awful. Nothing ever works out for me. Look at this, look at that. They can do this, they're perfect, I'm not. But we're not willing to go into the unknown. It is a prerequisite to rise above our fear if we want something greater than our current norm. Therefore, it is essential for us to not numb ourselves and ignore the consequences of fear, but rather really understand how it works in our mindset so that it can open the doors of our dreams, possibilities, and divine adventure, and life will be full of beautiful um, novelty. And novelty, actually, if we look at things in our brain, things that are new, releases dopamine hormones in our body, and it actually gets us excited. So it's crucial for us to walk into things that we don't know. So why are people afraid of, you know, fear? Just kind of, you know, what's costing us opportunities in a beautiful life. But let's talk about, you know, the source of the fear, kind of like the things that we're ruminating. Number one, and this is, I'm just going to mention a few, is rejection. Why? We have this innate need to belong as a human woman being, right? We want, we want to know that we are lovable, important, valuable. We have a belonging need as part of the human experience. We cannot live on our own and think that we, who we are, we would die. Literally. So in order for us to feel like we belong, we then try to self-preserve by not doing anything outside of what makes us lovable. 
So the fear of rejection, well, what, I don't know what they think of me. Well, maybe that they don't approve of me. My, what, if, what would my family think if I become a doctor instead of a teacher or a teacher instead of a doctor? There's a sense of rejection that we actually are afraid of because of this need for belonging. Now, we can rise above that and think our way logically and say, okay, they might not agree with me, but if I am following what I truly believe I, you know, I'm supposed to be doing in my life, then I, I, I would love to surround myself with people that are going to honor who I am. So even if they reject me, that's okay. I will find a new tribe of people that are going to honor me for me. So I no longer have to prove myself, please everyone else, that does not see my value, my call, and my purpose. So the rejection is something that most of us are afraid of. But here's the thing, ladies. We often don't have language for it. We feel it. We kind of think about it, but we don't say, mm, I'm actually afraid of rejection, Jamie. I'm actually afraid of what people think of me. I'm, I'm afraid of being judged. I'm, I'm afraid of um, criticism. I'm afraid of what people that think of me. I'm afraid to speak up because I'm afraid that I no longer belong in that tribe. And my need for belonging is so strong that it inhibits my courage. What is life without courage? Right? There is no dream without courage. There is no ascension of highest and best version of myself without courage. So that fear of rejection, number one. Number two, fear of failure. Failure means that we feel inadequate because we couldn't achieve the things that we think we should have done idea of not being good enough, that failure mentality that we project upon ourselves, And really a lot of this is a self-imposition of the way our culture has shaped failure or something bad. I mean, think about the fact that C grade is, you know, failure grade D means that you have to stay back. You know, great. There's a sense of indoctrination that failure is a bad thing when failure is part of the journey towards becoming our highest and best self. It's part of anything that we dare greatly. Failure, you know, Thomas Edison, the, the Wright brothers, think of all the people who, who have tried to achieve their life's call and mission and look at how many times they have failed in order to achieve it. So this fear of failure is something we can diffuse because we can say there is no greatness without failure. So I can say, well, I can rise above failure in our home life. You know, after dinner, we have this thing called GFG. And every single day, my children, my two-year-old, all the way up to my 13-year-old say, okay, what are you G grateful for? What have you failed today? And what have you gained from it? GFG. And so we are trying to condition them to, to understand, how, you know, the importance of gratitude, but to study their failures throughout the day. And then what have they gained from their failure? So that failure becomes a source of wisdom and growth and not something that we just waste or fear. That we have this freedom to fail in order for us to grow, because how do you grow without failure? You really can't. And so that's the second thing we're afraid of. The third thing we're afraid of is this death. There is a real physical, we're afraid of pain. I mean, you know, it is part of the human condition to not want to experience pain. I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, please bring on the pain, unless I understand what it's for. You know, passion means to suffer for what you love, which means that suffering comes from what we love. But this idea 
of just suffering, we, we are afraid of it. We're trying to self-protect from it. And if we are actually, you know, recognizing that, okay, I'm going to suffer here because there's a meaning behind it, that's different. We are embracing the suffering, the discipline, the journey that allows us to what? Ascend to our highest and best self. But there is this sense of fear of, of pain and getting hurt and death. There's that, you know, um, separation, right? So now we can go back and say, okay, where does this fear coming from? You know, fear of, of me not, you know, um, taking on a new job, fear of me starting a new business, fear of me wanting to start over as a mom, fear of me learning a new skill, fear of me wanting to speak up, fear of me wanting to hold my, you know, uh, boyfriend, spouse, sister, brother-in-law accountable. Is it from rejection? Is it sort of a pain of what it's going to cost me? Is it failure? And so now you can source your fear because the more you're able to source it and say, oh, that's where it's coming from, you can diffuse it and then you can manage it a lot easier with, with having the right language to identify what it is. And you know, in the woman's school, we talk a lot about sourcing the crisis and identifying it and using language. Because a lot of times we're feeling these emotions, we're, we're, we're going through layers of frustration, but we have no language for the struggle. And that in itself is a struggle because we can't identify it. And you can't heal what you can't identify because where do you even begin? But you, if you can identify, oh, I'm just afraid of rejection, I'm gonna work on my rejection muscle and knowing that there is no great life without rejection, then now you can diffuse it from a very logical perspective and not just ruminate illogical things because it is part of the human experience to be rejected, right? So now what's it costing you and what's the source of it, okay? So I guess the question I want you to pose to yourself is, you know, rate one to 10 in, in the women's school, we talk about self-assessment all the time as a starting point. So if you were rate you know, one to 10, are you a fearful woman? Is fear costing you a beautiful life? 10 being no, one being yes, okay? Um, one being that you're crippled. So if you were to rate yourself, you know, number four, I feel like I am number, I mean, if eight, it's like, no, there's certain things, but not really, okay? And then I want you to think about what are the things that you fear about? Like really think about it, write them down, jot them down and say, you know, I'm afraid of losing my job. I'm afraid of losing my friend or best friend or wife, or I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid of whatever it is. I'm afraid of squirrels. <laughs> I was actually afraid of squirrels that I would cross the street if I saw a squirrel. So I would go to work because I worked in DC and I would, you know, almost walk in a zigzag because if there was a squirrel in front of me, right? I would cross the street. And it was a made up fear. I experienced a squirrel that was hissing at me when I would go outside to get work. And I ruminated thoughts that the squirrel was going to attack me. And it was, it was so logical and I knew it. And I really had to, I didn't have any tools then to break down this fear that I had. Um, and, I, you know, if I really think logically, what is a squirrel going to do to me? It is not a lion. It is a squirrel. Chances are it'll skew away. But I had made up and ruminated and, you know, had thought that the squirrel had a conspiracy theory against me. And it was crazy. And it was so silly because I'm not really necessarily fearful about a lot of things. I would go skydiving and travel around the world. But I'm like this little squirrel 
It's making me late at work. It's a little squirrel that I would not take my son to the playground because there's a squirrel that's playing there. It was costing me peace of mind. It was a silly thing. And, you know, I, my friend was like, you know, let's do exposure therapy, which is, you know, that's how sometimes they heal a lot of these, um, phobias is through exposure therapy and letting them recognize, okay, it's not really fearful January. And I remember putting a squirrel, um, image actually she, she put a squirrel image and it's just like that and just you know and it was so silly and and there's no squirrel where i am now so in some ways i have kind of gone over but, but my point is that i had no tools to recognize it was this an illogical fear that i made up that i thought that the squirrel was going to be in, inflicting pain on me when in reality i was making these things up in my head without tools so the question i have for you is how many things are you making up in your head that's costing you to be fully present, to be fully alive, to dare greatly, to do chase your dreams that maybe you didn't have language for, but it is time to shift it. So write out those things that you're afraid of. Okay. So how do we, um, you know, um, really manage our fear, right? Um, because I think most of the time there's the element of us afraid of the unknown, so we are afraid of what we don't know, but at the same time, we want to go to what we don't know because there's a certain sense of novelty, right? When we don't know, it's almost like going to a place that's your vacationing for the first time you haven't experienced it. And it's such a great experience. Why? Because it's new. And yet we're afraid to go into the unknown, but yet we're so excited to go on a vacation because the unknown means something scary, right? Like a new job, a new you know, relationship, a new way of thinking. We get comfortable with a mindset. We get comfortable with new ways of thinking. We don't want to switch our, our ideas, our political views, our concepts. We get stuck. It's like, nope, this is what healthy food looks like. And that was me. And I'm and I would say to my husband, because he's always studying, you know, health, nope, that's not healthy food. And it's like January, there's new research, you know. And you can stick into um your old idea of thinking that that's healthy X, Y, and Z, because you're really afraid of the discomfort and the pain that it will cost you to want to change your nutrition. That's what it is. You know, if I could source it, that's what it was. Right. And obviously our fear comes from also a lot of limited skill set around it, which is really a, 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 a training in itself. But for this, you know, training or podcast alone, I just want to kind of stick to the fear because fear is part of a human experience. It part, it, it, it's, it's a natural occurrence to keep us safe and alive. It's when we don't manage it that it becomes usurp, it, it usurps the way we live our life. And that's dangerous. So what should we do? Number one, we need to source the pain or we need to source the fear. We need to identify, okay, where is this coming from? And why is it, you know, um, why is it costing me this fear? So now when you source it and you can, okay, it's from rejection, it's from failure, it's from... Um, you know, some kind of pain or rejection, then you can identify it and you can then diffuse it from there. Is it a logical fear? Chances it isn't a logical. Number two, fear is a muscle that needs to be retrained. What I mean by that is that fear becomes a habitual reaction because somewhere in our formative years or somewhere in our different seasons in our life, we develop patterns that we overreacted to fear and didn't have the tools to manage fear. And so now it's become habitual. It's kind of like knowing that this is a cup 
And so if I tell you this was a banana, you're going to say, January, that's crazy. That's not a banana. That's a cup. Why? Because neurologically, it has been wired into your brain that through the process of repetition, experience, and exposure that this is a cup, right? So if I tell you, January, you have nothing to fear. Squirrels won't bite you. I'm like, nope. Squirrels bite me because I have neurologically believed it and it becomes a hardwired thinking, habitual. So fear is the same thing. We condition neurons in our brain to react to fear as though it was real. And so the process then is retraining that muscle neurologically, putting old beliefs into atrophy and replacing it with a belief that now serves us in life and opens doors of opportunities, allows us to develop our dreams, allows us to peace of mind. And what does that mean? we have to rise in spite of our fear, okay? So that's the thing is that we source it, we rewire it. And the third thing that's the most important thing is that we have to take action. You know, fear cripples us, physically doesn't allow us to do and go above and unknown and, and, to, and to do things that we are uncomfortable. So if we retrain that muscle and say, okay, I am acknowledging this fear. I'm afraid of public speaking. I'm afraid of a new job, but I'm going to take one step further anyway. And we develop a muscle, a mental muscle of taking action in spite of the fear. Then we actually develop a new neurological wiring of then rising above our fears. Now we then, instead of becoming a woman of fear, become a woman of action because we have you know, what happens is that when something is attacking us and we're afraid, it moves us into action. We run away from a lion. Now, what we want to do is then have those fear and then act anyway. Those things that are, that are illogical, the things that no longer serve us. So my invitation to you ladies is that source your fear, rewire your muscle and take action. Okay. And it really is a, um, a freedom point, when I say freedom point, when we understand how to manage fear and are no longer in bondage of it, because it is part of the human experience. We cannot, you know, we cannot eliminate fear. We can manage fears or not because fear is there to keep us alive. It's the illogical fears that keep us small and living life in a way that robs us of life itself. So I'm going to invite you and encourage you to understand. Now, I will also tell you that in order for us to manage our mind, we ought to have the skills to help us manage our mind. And that's what we teach in the women's school. We, we teach about 50 or more skills through for the formula, a skill formula. And so if you really are sincere and desire to live a life of peace, freedom, and joy, and dare to do who you're called to be and redesign your self-image so that you're no longer labeling yourself as a fearful woman as, and labeling yourself as somebody who, I'm a woman of courage, I'm a woman of action, then take the next step and join us in the woman's school because this is about retraining the woman. This is about developing her integrated self to have the resilient mindset and the skill set necessary to cultivate a beautiful life of meaning and contribution. Because ultimately that is what allows us to be fulfilled and continually contribute. So take our wholeness quiz, learn more about the woman's goal, go to, um, you can email us at info at um, januarydonovan.com. So be very intentional about cultivating an integrated life of wholeness 
by investing in your freedom, by learning how to manage who you are, by integrating every part of you as a woman, and learning the skills necessary to manage your mindset, develop skill set that's going to allow you to give birth to your God-given mission, live a life of meaning and contribution, and live a life of sustained generosity. And that is our vision in the Women's School. Our vision is to rebuild culture one woman's worth at a time, beginning with our own from the inside out. And so begin this movement and revolution and learn how we can do this together in our bold, 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 crazy adventure dream that makes me truly fearful, but I rise above it illogically, is that we raise an army of women that are going to fight against the depletion crisis and the false narrative that's imposed on women today. And the only way we do that is that we begin with our own internal freedom. So join me in the woman's school because we cannot change the world, the external world, without first changing our internal world. And so we begin by integrating every part of us, honoring our value, our self-worth as every part of us, because every part of us matters and every woman matters. And so my invitation to you is that don't dabble into a life of greatness. Don't dabble into training. Don't dabble into your mindset and skill set. Go all in, right? Olympians don't train when they feel like it. They go for the gold medal and they train every single day. And so why I'm asking you is that this is the Olympics of our lifetime. And the gold medal is who we become on the journey towards wholeness. And so we have to develop who we are. Wholeness is about maturing the woman, and that's what we do in the Women's School. My name is January Donovan, founder of the Women's School, truly grateful to be both a student and a teacher in this beautiful world called the Women's School. Join us. Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear from you. Please write us at info at com. We would love to hear your comments and questions. And to learn more about our work at The Woman's School, please visit our website, thewomanschool.org. Finally, we encourage you to take the wholeness quiz, which you will find on our website, thewomanschool.org. Because as St. Edith Shine taught us, as a woman becomes whole, she becomes a pillar on which others can lean to be made whole. Thank you, ladies. Until next time, let us rise and together rebuild our church.